Some TV news. I saw that The Queen's Gambit just became the most watched scripted limited series on Netflix. It's amazing. All it took was closing every bar, gym, and restaurant in America to get people to care about chess. Fifteen alleged members of the Philadelphia Mafia have been indicted on federal charges, including a man nicknamed Tony Meatballs. And when the mob heard about it, they were worried. Which Tony Meatballs? I uh, get this, I heard that a lot of uh, Peloton customers are upset because their orders have been delayed for months. Yep, right now, customers are like, how am I supposed to regret buying this thing if it never comes? From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. So you well, were- what a day it was yesterday, huh? So you were in Etobicoke yesterday, weren't you? Yeah, I was, but I didn't go by that Adamson's Barbecue place. Okay, I was wondering... I didn't go because I really, really, really feel bad for small businesses that are being forced to shut down. And I totally understand the argument. It's not right that they're shutting down the mom and pop shops, but the big box stores are open. Right. That's in retail. And I honestly don't get it. I don't understand why it's safer to shop at Walmart or Costco than it is to shop at some independent florist or cake shop or or a clothing store. I don't get it. I, I don't know what the logic or the reasoning is. When it comes to restaurants, though, there's a bit more of an even playing field. Everybody is shut down. You can only do delivery or takeout. And and the guy who owns Adamson's Barbecue, I'm not here to shit on him. I get it. He's a business owner, and he's got bills due, and he needs to pay those bills. But I also get the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, and the rules are the rules, and everybody was told they got to shut down. So I I don't know uh, who's right and who's wrong here. I really don't. But he did open, and he got a full day's worth of sales in. Apparently, they're typically only open from 11 to 4 or 5 o'clock anyway, because that's usually when they run out of meat. Yesterday, it was jam-packed with people that went to support the guy who owns the restaurant trying to sell some food. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why they couldn't just go and support him by taking the food to go, though. It was really going over the top to prove a point, to sit in there and actually eat in the restaurant. Yeah, but I think that was the point. You know, to go over the top to prove the point was the point for those people who wanted to make it. I was happy to see that for for the most part, it was pretty civil. I mean, like you mentioned, he got pretty much a full day sales in before they said, okay, yeah, you, you've made your point. We have to shut you down. And and I think he was he was mostly respectful from what I could tell in terms of, I understand you were just doing your job. You didn't necessarily create the rules, but you're here to enforce them. And so fr- from that, what I could see was everything was mostly civil. Nobody was too aggressive. Um, there were reports of, of some aggressive behavior, but according to a couple of people, Joe Warmington was one of the people that I was following on Twitter. He was great yesterday. He, he says he did not experience that at all. He also, though, I mean... The guy who owns the barbecue joint, you could tell, had already, like, he was cool with them because they were doing what he called unbiased reporting. He called out a bunch of other fake news outlets for doing reporting that was completely horrible, basically, and rubbish. He called out a couple of places that tried to, like, park their vehicles on his property, and he didn't like it. Even some radio stations he called out, too. So, uh... I, for the most part, it seems civil, though. That was all a little bit of nitpickiness surrounding it. But I was actually like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Nobody was beaten up. Nobody was hurting each other. But 
a lot of verbal abuse was taken. Oh, yeah. Totally. You know, uh, Stephanie Smythe is the managing editor at CP24. And she was engaged in this. They were doing coverage during her shift. So I get it. And the guy who owns the restaurant kept calling CP24 fake news. Well, nobody hates the term fake news more than the people who actually do the news. So when the guy finally got shut down, Stephanie sent out a tweet. And she said, uh, here's something that's not fake news. You're shut down. Order in hand. Okay, fine. A few minutes later, she deleted the tweet, but not before a whole bunch of people screenshotted it. And then when she sent out another tweet that was just the closure order, some of the comments on her Twitter were fucking crazy, cat. Like, here's one here. Everyone seems to have noticed you deleted your last tweet about this. Adamson Barbecue bucked the first order. I hope they buck this one, too. You're a bad person for cheering the struggles of a small business. From Justin. Uh, congrats on being a big piece of shit and cheering on a small business owner's defeat. Didn't know who you were before today. And my God, I wish I had the pleasure of going back to not knowing you existed. Oh, come on. Hashtag fake news. This one from Anatez. I do think she relishes in being despised. She's in her own social justice worker echo chamber. She's a hero there. It's open now, you lying cow. Oh, God. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, here's one from Juan. By no means are you considered a journalist. No more than a person with a mouth, an ideology, and a platform. At CP24, I will not be using your service anymore. That is until you bring in a reputable and proper journalist. Really? Are we doing this? Are we fucking doing this? <sighs> No, we shouldn't be doing it. Like, come on with that trolling shit. Um, the, the guy did it. The people who went and supported, supported. Let that be that. And, like, obviously news outlets are going to cover it because people are talking about it. I, I don't know. You know, I just, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not about trolling people. Like, if you have something sophisticated to say in an argument, you want, really want to get it out on social media, go for it. But some of that stuff you just said... You're wasting you're wasting your your fingers typing it, guys. Like you're not making any solid like points at all, and you sound like idiots. Okay, well here's one to Jennifer Pagliero. She's a writer for the Toronto Star, I believe, even though I don't read the Star. She posted one of her DMs. Eat shit, stupid journalist, bitch. Nobody fucking likes you. You're going to die alone. Oh my whore. god. Oh, my God. Like, see, this is what I'm talking about. It's just, you know, I can read a column and completely disagree with the column without writing the journalist and calling him or her every name in the book and basically wishing eternal damnation on them. Yeah. How the fuck did we get to this point? What are we doing here? You're not saying like you're just using shitty vocabulary to try to come up with what you think is a, a great point, like you're not getting anywhere by doing it, but so many people do it. And, you know, although they'll, they'll tweet it out and they'll share it with people and they'll say they have thick skin, it still can hurt. It still can really hurt some people, oh. you know? You know what? I get those messages and, and I like to just sort of brush them off and say, yeah, yeah, fuck off, whatever. But it bothers me. It really does. And maybe I'm admitting a vulnerability here by saying that, but who wants to wake up to that in their DMs? That's her fucking job. Yeah. 
That's what Stephanie does for a living. And you know what? What she puts out on her personal Twitter, okay, that's her opinion. She's entitled to one just as much as you are. You don't have to go after her aggressively like that, though. That's bullshit. Come on, guys. Let's try and maintain just an ounce of professionalism. Nobody's going to agree on any of this shit. Nobody. But, I mean, those personal attacks, the the real, I don't just want to hurt her. I want to hurt her bad. In the DMs, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm over that kind of rhetoric. I really am. I, I'm, I'm over it. Over it. Yesterday, we'll end this segment on the premiere. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to Doug talk here about the situation, because, of course, it came up yesterday in his news conference. And at the time he had done his news conference, the restaurant had been open for just over two hours. It was still open. Police showed up initially, investigated, and left. Or they went to deal with the crowd outside, and they handed out some parking tickets. They came back at closing time and slapped that red public health closed sign on. So in between... Uh, the police visiting and the police going back and laying a charge, if they even laid a charge. I, do you know if he was actually charged or did they just shut him down? I think they just shut him down. I, I'm not sure about a charge. I didn't hear anything about it, but I, honestly, I didn't read all of the information. I was just more looking on the social media part of it. Here's what the premier had to say yesterday. Yeah, no, I, you know something, when it comes to private parties, you know, that, that's that's a different uh, ball, ball of wax there. But the, I just want the guy to shut down. I'm not going to get up here and start pounding a small business owner when the guy's holding on by his fingernails. There's, a, you know, I differentiate between someone at home being reckless and having a hundred people over and partying or renting a, a, a you know, public storage place. That that's reckless, and uh, I don't condone it. I don't condone that he opened up, but you know, I I feel terrible. My heart breaks for these guys, and it's not fair. But please, in saying all that you got to follow the protocols and the guidelines. That, that's what it comes down to. Because if everyone does that, you know, what he does, you know, again, as I was saying earlier, uh, Rob, like you're going to be asking me another question uh, when we hit 2,000, 3,000, uh, you know, cases a day. Uh, that's the last thing we, we want to uh, happen. So if everyone just follows the protocols, we'll, we'll get through this as soon as possible. And it, it's, we're throwing everything Everything. If I every tool I have, I'm throwing at this, this COVID. I'm not holding back on anything. Not holding back on, on the money side. Not holding back on anything. And all the resources we're, we're throwing at it. But my heart breaks for these guys, these business owners. Believe me. Yeah, you know. I mean, you can hear the angst in his voice. I. I... This is a shitty situation. Nobody wants to close down these businesses. One of the things I can't understand, though, is because I'm certainly seeing it everywhere. People are freaking out about this Toronto and Peel lockdown. And and I can't figure out, are you guys trying to get the small businesses open or are you trying to get the big businesses closed? Because I agree that there's a discrepancy there, but we are still in a pandemic. And, and while I already admitted, I don't understand how Walmart being open is helping fight COVID-19. I really don't. Are you trying to get the other stores open or trying to get the big stores closed? Because that's one thing that people don't seem to agree on. They realize there's a hypocrisy there, but they don't agree on what the next course of action is. Well, it's so frustrating, especially when you see those smaller shops doing things right. They did all the things right. They spent money to make those things right. Let's not forget, too, with putting up partitions and making sure that all the proper PPE for their employees was made available, making their customers feel comfortable, and then, boom, shut down. So... It sucks. I do feel for them. I do feel for them because just because 
uh, you know, you hear the saying all the time, a few apples that can spoil a whole bunch. And that seems to be the case because we have a few rotten people out there who are who are doing everything wrong from the beginning, defying the rules completely. If we just kind of found a healthy balance, if we kept lingering to what we were doing back in, you know, July, for example, when everything was kept pretty flat, we wouldn't be in this mess. But I think some people are just were like, fuck this. They, they hit a point, right? They hit a tipping point. And unfortunately for those who kept doing things the way that they were doing things and being safe, they got screwed over. And a lot of those people screwed over have businesses. And of course, they have families. And the whole thing sucks. And I do tend to agree with, with that whole concept of why are we giving more money to these big box stores that are that are allowed to be open when this shop doesn't quite fall under this essential category but can't be open. So now I am forced to purchase this item over here because I need it today. It's frustrating. Okay. But there is a compromise here. I get that logistically it would be too difficult to allow, say, Costco to stay open, but they can only sell the essential goods like the groceries and stuff like that. You can't go in there and buy yourself a... Uh, uh, a new fucking TV or something like that. Uh, it was explained to the premier that you you can't. Uh, it's just not practical or logistically uh, easy to tarp off different areas of the store. Okay, so you just tell the people at the register and tell people on their way in the door. Maybe put up a sign. If you're coming in the store, you're only coming in for groceries and for essential items. TV, not essential. And the staff doesn't even ring you through when you go to the checkout with a TV or a DVD player or a new digital camera or whatever the case may be. If there's a business shut down because it's not essential, another business shouldn't be allowed to be open selling those things just because they also have some things that are essential. Mm -hmm. This really doesn't need to be complicated other than there's way too many special interests that are getting involved here. Uh, frankly, I don't even understand what lockdown means anymore because it seems like there's not really a lockdown. Well, it seems like there's a lot of yeah. people out and about doing their thing. Yeah, and there's there's that and there's a mix of that and confusion too. And, and you know, you talk about the rules and what we're supposed to be doing and not supposed to be doing. I, I still get a little confused about the rules on seeing people, seeing loved ones and, and, and not. So how is it okay you go to Walmart, some loser you don't know might rub up against you or God knows what else, but you can't have a nice distanced gathering with, with someone that you know and you trust. And I know where that gets tricky. I understand because you have the conversation with them of, you're fine, I'm fine, we're great, fine, let's do this. And then little do you know you're not fine and then that escalates and then we all know how it spreads. We all know what super spreader events are. But can't we keep it smaller? I don't know. I just get confused about the whole thing sometimes as well. I'm not sure what's right, though. I'm not here You to listen say. to the news six times a day, yeah. <laughs> and you're confused. That's, Imagine someone who's it. just sort of in and out trying to live their life and it, do a job. And it's not that I'm not confused on what the rules are. I'm confused why these rules are in place. Mm-hmm. No, I hear That's you. That's where the confusion lies for me. One more thing I want to mention on this, and then let's get off COVID for a little bit, because we talked about it a lot yesterday, too. Uh, the prime minister admitted yesterday Canada's going to be waiting a while to get vaccines. Well, that's frustrating as shit. We were told, hey, you got a vaccine, 90% effective. And then a new one came out that was 95% effective. And, and we're all good here. We're just waiting on them. Three vaccines ready to go. And Canada is good because we already pre-ordered a ton of them. We still have to wait for them, though. Because apparently the vaccines that are getting rolled out in the next week or two are going to be given to the citizens of the country that that drug company is in. Yesterday, Trudeau said uh, Canada does not have vaccine production facilities. 
The U.S., the U.K., and Germany do. So the U.S., the U.K., and German citizens are going to get vaccinated first. Hmm. Well, that's kind of bullshit. We paid a lot of money just to be on the list. Plus, we're paying for the actual fucking vaccines. Why are we waiting? Oh, and by the way, those drug companies, if they want to say, "Mm, yeah, we're an American company, so Americans come first. Fuck you. You've got a lot of offices here in Canada. Take a drive to Mississauga Road in the 401 north side of the highway. There's a lot of drug companies in there. You're telling me none of them make vaccines? Did they... Is it just because they're manufactured in a different country? Because these drug companies all have offices here. At what point did they say, well, yeah, we know we pull a lot of money out of the Canadian healthcare system, but we're actually an American company. I don't know. Does Do they make more money? servicing it to the states than they would to canada like i know i mean here we're not going to be paying for that shot whereas there i don't know i don't even know if we negotiate drug prices to be honest with you i know trump went on it hard down in america and really chiseled them down quite a bit i don't know what kind of negotiating canada does in any case if they have offices here as far as i'm concerned they're partially canadian Hmm. i don't know why we should be completely excluded until america and germany and the uk are done that doesn't seem right to me. I don't know either. I think it should be to all the hotspots and all the world first. And well, you, you know what I'm going to do is because at first I wasn't sure if I was going to take this vaccine. I think I'm going to take the vaccine and I'm just going to do what I think a lot of other people are going to do. If you're a Canadian and you're going down to the States and I think that's another area where people are starting to rebel and say, fuck this, I'm going. There's a lot of snowbirds that are looking at that snow on the ground thinking... Yeah, that condo in Florida is just sitting empty there. I think I'm going. I'll see you bitches in April. Hmm. That's what they do at this time of year, right? Well, I got to go to the States in January. No matter what, I have to go in January. I might just drop into a minute clinic down there and get a shot. Come back here and build the benefits company for it. Can Canadians do that? Can we go over the border don't and get ask a shot? Me, I have no idea. But um, I don't know why we wouldn't be able to. I don't know. I don't think they're going to turn you away there um, because if it, even if it does cost money, like you said, you just pay the price. I'm not sure if the benefits will cover it when you get back. But let's find out. It'll be a fun experiment. Can I get one to go? Uh, <laughs> I, I want one in my arm and one in my uh, and one bag. in a takeout bag for yeah. my buddy cat. Yeah, that's right. Get a doggy bag. Um, I don't know if you saw this just coming down. Ontario's Auditor General releasing the report reviewing the Ford government's handling of the pandemic. Did you see yep. this? No, I haven't seen it's it It's not good. It's not good. Uh, she said local medical officers are confused. Uh, and we're confused when when provincial politicians delivered health advice instead of the chief medical officer of health. The auditor general highlights Ontario's confusing indirect communications uh, in this report. Um, it's just making its rounds now as we do this uh, podcast. So it doesn't look good on well, on Dougie. I'll have more to say about that tomorrow. Okay. One thing I will tell you, though, is and, and I think I might even have mentioned this in the podcast last week or maybe I just had it as a conversation with somebody. Of course. You know who hates it when you don't take a doctor's advice? Doctors. They are some of, some of the most narcissistic people in the world. Your doctor says, hmm, I think we should do this. And you choose not to take their advice? Good fucking luck with that doctor going forward. They don't like it when you don't listen to them. So when a doctor puts forward a recommendation and that recommendation is, oh, I think there should be more restrictions. Well, if the government disagrees because there's more to it than just the public health aspect of it, there's also an economy and a civilization to think about here. Yeah, I'm not surprised doctors don't like it and they feel slighted. It's not to say the doctor's wrong or the premier's right or vice versa. Not at all. But of course, if you ask the doctors, do you think it was handled right? 
Now, anybody who didn't have all of their advice taken would probably say, no, I don't think it was handled right. It's kind of a flawed way of doing an auditor's general report. Uh, Dr. David Williams, I think, is the only person who's going to be completely happy with how it was handled because it was all him. And he talked to all the local medical officers of health. They all said, yeah, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. He put all the advice together, went to the premier and the health minister and said, this is the consensus. You make the final decision. See, and that's the way it works. Yeah. You okay. don't want an economist making public health decisions, and you don't want a public health person making decisions about the economy. This is the problem. There's a few balls in the air that we have to juggle here. So, yeah, we'll talk about it more tomorrow after I read the report. But at first glance, I'm not surprised the doctors aren't pissed off or are pissed off. Of course yeah. they are. And it's Dr. David works. Williams is named as someone who really should have been more involved and was not. And I don't know how he feels about yeah. it personally. I don't but know then- how any reasonable person can honestly say Dr. David Williams wasn't involved. One of the biggest knocks on Ford from the right is that he listened too much to the doctors. Too much. He did everything the doctors said. And we never voted for any doctors. They were never on the ballot. They voted for Doug Ford. Nobody voted for uh, fucking Dr. Whomever. Yeah, but nobody knew there would be part. a pandemic. And that's all well and good, but either way, you elect leaders. Nobody elected this uh, these chief medical officers of health that are making decisions that have a massive impact, not just on health. Now it's into the economy. It's on business. It's on commerce. It's on everything under the sun. It's about education. Okay, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that the doctors aren't thrilled. Not at all. Uh, let's uh, uh, add everything up. Because probably uh, this whole thing could have been done differently or maybe we did everything to the letter of the law and it doesn't really matter because the doctors will never be happy about how it was handled. They always will want something to have been done differently. It's just the way it works. Um, Quickly here, let's do some international news and head over to uh, my heart belongs there in Scotland. They are now the first country in the world to say that menstrual products, obviously for women, menstrual products are essential and you shouldn't have to pay for them. So now menstrual products will be widely available for zero charge for any woman who wants or needs one. There you go. So it should be that way. It's so ridiculous. You know, it's funny, but only because I didn't understand the argument initially. My thoughts on this have evolved so much in the last couple of years. Maybe it's the fact that I've got a daughter. Um, it is bizarre to me in this country now that the government profits off of a woman's period. Right. Why in the shit is there tax on women's menstrual products? You yeah. Know, there's not on groceries. You don't pay HST on the food items that you buy. They're essential. Well, so are menstrual products. Yeah. Why the hell are we charging tax on top of that? I get that there's a cost associated with making it and shipping it and marketing it and all that sort of thing. So, no, I don't necessarily think that they should be free if you walk into the grocery store. But I also don't think that if you're in a pickle and you you, you were a little early and, and you weren't prepared that you should be bent over the till and, and robbed of money to try and get one. It's just one of those things that women need. Why are we charging tax on this stuff it's so stupid at the minimal we shouldn't be charging tax on it and and all those things you mentioned with the marketing and the hoopla and they're companies okay they're companies that have product and because that's the way it works they'll go ahead and market it but this is stuff that you don't need to market we need to buy these these products um and there's really not a lot of other option and for a lot of people that that can take a toll on them financially 
They have to move things around so that, oh, I got to be able to get my. Thankfully, there's a lot of organizations, though, I will just say, that are very, very helpful with that, that will help out women who quite just simply cannot afford uh, to purchase the products that they need to purchase. But, you know, we don't choose it. (laughs) We didn't choose it. We don't choose to have this every single fucking month. So stuff like that should most definitely be looked at. I don't know why we haven't made changes here in this country. It's ridiculous. And I'm really happy to see that Scotland has made such a bold move. And I hope others follow suit. You know, I think they will. This is a conversation that's been happening for a while now, albeit very, very slowly. For Scotland to come out and take a position like that, like anywhere you go in public, yeah, there's going to be menstrual products available and there's no charge for them. I think that's great. And if other countries follow suit, well, that is a hurdle that we have climbed over. Good. And good on Scotland for setting an example there. The first thing we could do here in Canada is take the damn tax off. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous that we're making money off of this. Drives me nuts. Uh, Tomorrow is U.S. Thanksgiving. A lot of Americans are going to pack it in early today and head home to be with their family. Or will they? (laughs) Yeah, they will. (laughs) Apparently, they're pretty split on whether or not they're going to travel, but they're pretty well in agreement that they will definitely gather. Mm -hmm. Millions of people have already gone to the nation's airports and train stations to go and be with family over Thanksgiving. Many others will stay put, but are still going to have a gathering. And you know what happens at Thanksgiving? Uh, For those in America, our Thanksgiving here in Canada is at the beginning of October. It's a great time to do it. I mean, you guys should seriously consider moving yours. It, it, October is a great time for Thanksgiving. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it great? Oh, I love it. It's, I love I, that we are so much so much further out than them from Christmas. I couldn't imagine doing it, trying to do a holiday now and then trying to do a holiday a month from now. It's exactly a month from now. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. A month before Christmas Eve, they're going to be celebrating. Uh, thanks. Uh, no, it's less than a month. In any case, um, When it comes to U.S. Thanksgiving, they will have those conversations around the dinner table. And all it takes is one person to bring it up. So, turkey's great. Do you think the election was rigged? Ah, fuck, no, here we go. Majority of Americans say they'll go out of their way to avoid arguments with friends or family members over the holiday. But about one in five are gearing up for a fight. And politics is the number one issue. Was the election rigged? Is Joe Biden going to be a good president? Did Donald Trump get ripped off? Is it time for him to go? All those questions are going to come up. The pandemic is number two. Longstanding family tensions. Conspiracy theories. Ooh, the conspiracy Ooh, theory one. I That'll love- be a fun one. I love the conspiracy theory relative and I'm usually the as long as I don't get caught in the conversation for too long but at like the the gatherings where there's a bunch of people usually it's someone I actually don't even know that well but because they're the ones that target you right because you're like you don't know about me let me tell you what I think about all these things and I just am fascinated I'm fascinated most of the time that people will live their lives lives this way if it's really outrageous well, you know, the PCR testing set too high. You know, if they didn't have it set so high, we'd have no cases of COVID-19 and uh, the whole thing's a pandemic. What do you think of them apples there? Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. It's we, fun. Okay. I go along with stuff. I like it. I, I don't mind it. People usually um, in, in my extended families will be like, God, get out of that conversation with that person. You know what you're in for when you're... T- but I'm like, you know what, man? I got my glass of wine and I'm just listening and nodding my head and I'm just in my head. I'm going, what the fuck? And it's very entertaining. In New York, 
they have uh, the bylaw people have made it a, a closure of a business, and that's tragic, of course, when any business gets shut down. This one, though, it's pretty remarkable that somebody thought it was okay. New York authorities say they caught more than 80 people violating COVID orders in various sexual ways over the weekend during a second wave bust at a swingers club in Queens. Oh, my. The New York City Sheriff's deputies say they broke up an, and I quote, illegal bottle swingers party early Sunday where attendees were disregarding the strict limit on gathering. Hmm. They were in various states of undress and engaging in various sex acts at less than really? six feet apart. See, okay, so I don't understand. I never understood how this. I never understood how this works. So you're telling me these swingers parties aren't just where you meet the people and then you go back to a place. You actually just fuck around right then and there. Some of them do. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. You can go and do like a. I guess swinging has got a couple of different options. You could just agree to exchange partners with somebody and go ahead and have at it, or you can ch- uh, change partners and do it in front of each Meet other. And and then it's like an and, orgy. Yeah, that's so fucking crazy to me. But okay, to each their own. But you, you're not allowed to. Do, but you're, the point of the story is you can't do that right now. That's right. There was a, a swinger club. That the police raided because people were in there giving blowjobs and all sorts of shit in public and not distanced. They didn't even heed the advice of using a glory hole. There was nothing between them. They were just just fucking one big fucking wall with a bunch of holes in it. (laughs) Could you imagine? Ironically, it probably had an actual glory hole that they could have used. Probably. But no. They were all out there. Wow. The uh, It's called Caligula, I believe, is the name of the club. <laughs> they have been fined 15... That sounds like a fucking problem you'd have down there a little bit. But anyway, continue. Right. They've been fined $15,000 American for hosting the event. Health authorities have not banned sex with people outside their household in New York yet, but they have highly recommended using barriers. Glory holes. As other methods to prevent the spread of the virus. Can't do it. I got the Caligula. Sorry. (laughs) This Caligula should clear up three to four days. Seriously. It's so dumb. Who the hell thought that was okay? I know. 80 people together for a swinger party in a nightclub. If you're like a hardcore swinger. Okay. So try to put yourself in that position. Okay. Are you missing? Because a lot of us are missing a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. Much like you might miss, um, you know, just being able to hang out with the guys on guys night, right? I miss doing my girls thing, especially around Christmas. We do it every year. We've done it every year for like 20 years. So it's crazy to me. I can't do that. But put yourself in the position where you are like, fuck it, to the extreme where you'll just go join a big ass orgy party, essentially, because you're just over it. Like, I'm having trouble just thinking about getting together with four or five of my friends, and these people are like, nah, dicks out, tits out, let's go. It's right. like to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Yep. They uh, they have no chill when they want to start no. banging other people's partners. Crazy. That's the second swinger story in two weeks that we've had here on After 9. Finally, a lot of people preparing for a second lockdown in America. It hasn't been formally announced, but a lot of people believe it's coming. And it's time to start thinking about food again. Ah, what are we going to eat during this pandemic? They surveyed Americans and they asked, what's the best international cuisine? What food from around the world 
is the one that you want to try and experiment with or you want to eat during the second wave lockdown. After asking 2,000 Americans which country has the best food in the world, mm-hmm. Americans decided on themselves. <laughs> the majority of Americans feel the best American or the best cuisine in the world is American cuisine. The country who brought you Shake Shack and In-N-Out Burger and Burger King feels they've got the monopoly on good food around the globe. Do you think that people are cultured enough? No. To know. Okay. <laughs> no, I can't. See, I don't right even. No. I don't even need to finish the question, and you answered it because that's the question that's going through my mind: is how many of them have experienced legitimate cuisine from another country and 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 authentic uh cuisine from another country not taco bell i'm not fucking talking about taco bell i'm talking about real mexican right real true italian and and that's kind of i don't know it's so surprising uh but not surprising at the same time but in the states much like here in canada we have a lot of options to discover these kinds of things but i feel like we always go to our go-to spots right we always go to our canadianized or americanized foods over trying out different things and until we go sometimes to a different spot we have never tried anything like it and then we go wow what is this yeah well i don't know if you are a foodie i hope that that means that you actually have tried a whole bunch of different foods from different places around the world i love to try international cuisines americans i don't know i mean i feel like they'd be the type that if they ever actually went to china if they ordered chinese food which by the way it's just food there if they ordered Chinese food, they'd be expecting uh, chicken balls covered in like fucking cherry <laughs> right, sauce and right. some fried rice and some chop suey on the side. Where's General Where's- Tao? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the General So? Where's that? <laughs> That's right. But it's not necessarily like that for our American friends. And we're not making fun of you at all, at all. I, I, this is your survey here. Well, no, but same could go for – you could slap that same thing on Canada because I think sure a lot could. of Canadians will have their go-to spots too. We do burgers and fries or poutine, of course. So maybe people would have thought that about us too. But a lot of the people who assume that they – oh, I'm cultured enough – I don't think they really are. And I'm calling myself out on that, too, because I have experienced all kinds of authentic cuisine. But I'd like to try more. Here's the full list. The U.S. said the U.S. has the best food. Number two was Italy. Italy's got uh, there's a couple different ways you can eat Italian cuisine. I mean, you can go with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of veal, a lot of rabbit, all that sort of shit, a lot of seafood. Or you can just go with pasta and pizza. Whichever you do is fine. um, But they do have a lot of comfort foods in Italy. And Mm -hmm. there's so many different techniques you can use to make it. I'm a big fan of Italian cuisine. I love French food, and it's really hard to define what French food is, but if you eat in France, they have cooking techniques that are world-renowned. France was number three. China was number four. But again, they asked Americans, and I have a feeling Americans are just looking for those chicken balls and a deep-fried egg roll. That's exactly it. Where's that chicken fried rice at? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Greece was number five. Greek food is one of my favorites. I could eat it every day. Greek salad is the best kind of salad. Mexican was number six. Again, this is from the country that makes a lot of money from franchised American restaurants, not just Taco Bell, but I mean all the different burrito chains and things like that. And, and while that's similar to true t- traditional Mexican food, 
they've also Americanized it quite a bit mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. And that's come to Canada, too. Colombian food was number seven, followed by India, Japan, and Brazil. Can I throw an honorable mention out there to, say, Lebanese food, uh, basically anything Middle Eastern? Uh, I don't know how many shawarma restaurants there are in America, but I think you guys would like it. Mm. I think you would like it a lot if you want to try some Middle Eastern the food. The key to all of those things, I feel like, is the, the accompaniments and the sauces that yep. are created in those, in, those, in those spots are just, they make it, right? They make it what it is. I'm surprised Cuban didn't make it. Uh, if And I don't mean the food you get at the resort when you go to Cuba. I mean real, authentic Cuban food. There's some fantastic restaurants in Miami that do Cuban food right. And when you get it done right, it's fucking good. I am surprised Brazil made this list, and I'm surprised that Japan was so low. Who the hell doesn't like sushi? Yeah, sushi maybe- is a very Japanese thing, no? Yeah, no, no very much so. Um, a lot of different types of sushis and sashimis. I'm not sure if maybe um, there's other things. And I mostly just do sushi. If I think of Japan, I think sushi uh, when it comes to food. But I know there's a lot of other things and a lot of other ways uh, that they'll cook. Are they duck too? Is it Japan that does that does duck a lot? China definitely does. I'm not sure about okay. Japan. Okay. Uh, Japan is, is um, I don't know, if you go to a Japanese restaurant, there's so many different things you can order. Obviously, it's not all sushi, but uh, I don't know. Slap me down some teriyaki chicken and I'm a happy fucking guy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Uh, back to Brazil for a second. I don't know a lot about Brazilian cuisine, and I think the only reference point I have is the Brazilian steakhouse in Niagara Falls. You know which one I'm talking about? Copacabana. That's it, yeah. You know where you almost die after every meal <laughs> because they keep bringing you food and you keep eating it? Yes. I've never eaten so much in my life in one sitting than I did at a Copacabana. And also the drinks were flowing first too, right? You're in the falls, you're having a good time, you're celebrating something, and then they come around your table. For those who've never experienced it before, and I know there's other places that have that do similar, they basically give you a green means go and a stop sign. So if you're on green means go, it means come on, come to the table and bring me what you've got. And that could be anything from chicken to lamb to ribs Anything and everything you can imagine that you can put on a skewer and even things you can't put on a skewer come mm-hmm. to your table. And you just keep loading up. Y'all take yep. that. Y'all take that until your body says, fuck you. And then you go, oh, I've had too much to eat. And you got to throw up the stop sign. Yeah. Well, at one point, you'll start sweating during that meal. That's your body saying, I need to free up some room here, and I am in distress. you got to fucking stop. Put up that stop sign now, or we're all going down on the floor here with a big-ass heart attack. Watch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Is Brazilian cuisine like that? Is it really just somebody walking around with a sword, shaving cuts of meat <laughs> off for you? Or I'm what? not sure. I, I'm not sure, actually. Brazilian, uh, Brazilian food, maybe that's something that we got to add to our list to really try the authentic version, because I'm with you there. I... I'm not sure other than that about the uh, like what makes Brazilian food so popular, but I'm excited to try that. Well, uh, I'll throw it at Jamaica, too. Oh, yes, you're right. Oh. If you get real authentic, well done jerk chicken. Oh, yeah. Fucking right. Yeah. yeah. 
so and, good. And uh, Jamaican patty that's made from uh, scratch, that's not like right. the shitty ones that you buy at 7-Eleven that's on a roller. That's right. We're talking the real Jamaican patties. Portuguese food, too. I mean, who hasn't? Yes, I, Portuguese yeah. chicken. Like, I grew up in Cambridge, so it was. I went to nothing but Portuguese weddings, basically, and I, every single time I knew I was going to be satisfied and happy because the food, the well, first of all, the amount of food that comes out at those, holy cow, but the food is so good. No, you're not wrong about any of that, and you're making me very hungry. Sorry. Uh, quickly here, though, what would Canada be known for? Are we all beaver tails and poutine? Like, Pretty is that much. what Canadian cuisine would yeah, be? Or? I, I think if someone who even relatively knew about Canada's cuisine, or Canada generally, would probably point out those things. Um, the poutine, the maple syrup, uh, maybe beaver tails? Maybe. Uh, Quarter chicken combo, festive special? <laughs> That's exactly right. All the things we get excited about it and our coffee. Like, oh, it's a quarter of chicken and it's cooked. It's good. Let's eat it. <laughs> hey, don't knock Swiss Chalet. Swiss Chalet is great. Sure. It's a Canadian treasure. It is a Canadian treasure. <laughs> but otherwise, most of our stuff is mostly like very Americanized anyway. We, ha- we do have our own. We do have our own dishes. Um, but if, it's funny because we're spread across so, so such a wide just like the states really too but if you ask the west coast what's canadian foods and the east coast what's canadian foods for example you might get two completely different answers which i think is so interesting about this country sure on the west coast they're all uh, it's all sushi and and stuff like that on the east coast it's like get me some fucking donair right now exactly so yeah exactly right it's, it's all different but i think that's kind of the one of the beauties about the country speaking of donair boy now that that Atlantic bubble is burst, maybe I'll go out to Pizza Corner there in Halifax. That's a good time every time. <laughs> All right, we got to go, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of After 9. You guys are a bunch of beauties for listening to it. We'll have more episodes coming out this week, but uh, they'll probably be shorter because it's U.S. Thanksgiving and there's nothing going on. Fuck, I hate U.S. Thanksgiving sometimes. But we'll do our best. Have a good one, friends. I'm hungry. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.